Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I just find it interesting that everyone remembers La Regenta, but it's, I think it's the worst one. Like I've not read about 10 of his works and it's the one I don't like, but it's longer than all the others put together. And he just wants to do this big, big work and it was not as good, his best one. But anyway, the really, next, yeah. the I, next I book. Like, I, I, I feel like um, people really uh, are, are just, uh, they seem to really be amazed by the fact that someone can write 900 pages. Even though there's been plenty of books since. It seems like the, if it's a classical work, or if it's older than 100 years and it's 900 pages, it's got to be studied in school. Yeah. That's Hold on, PJ. I think the phone's ringing. I think we've got a call coming in. Hello. Hello. Hey, hello. Hi. You've got Dina and PJ on the line. Do you want to introduce yourself to the list? My name is Ellen Nichols, and um, my book's called "Remember Whose Little Girl You Are." There it is on uh, on camera. If there you can, we go. You can see "Remember Whose Little Girl You Are," and yeah. this was a, this was a fun read. And I must say, it was a it was a quick one. So you know, just over a hundred pages. So I sat down and read it in maybe a day, just a day, a day and yeah. a little bit. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I want to ask you before yeah. I say anything about it is because it's a memoir, right? Is this, yeah. you know, strictly fact or is there any like fictionalized stuff added in? No, it's as I remember it. Exactly. Right. Oh, wow. it, and the people that said all the things that upset me. There's some some bad people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what made you want to write a memoir? I mean, I understand because there's interesting stuff in it. But I mean, what was your idea that said, I want to write this? What happened was that I grew up down here where I am now in the South in um, small town, Alabama and Pensacola, Florida. And then I was going to go to graduate school and I thought I'll do something exciting and do go somewhere different. My mother was from Toronto. So I went to the university of Toronto to graduate school and stayed 50 years. Oh, 50 years. Wow. Goodness. And um, my son now teaches at the University of Toronto. Wow. But you did eventually move back. So eventually I did back in 2000. Sorry, I'm having a problem with my voice. So it sounds croaky, but it'll get better. And um, so he, um, I moved back down here in 2014. Because one of those boys from high school lured me back down to marry him. All right. So we got married in 2015, and we're still here. And you just missed my son and his family by a a day. They were just here for a week on a vacation. Lovely. My my two granddaughters go to the university, and where my son teaches where i went wow it's a family thing wow. well that's a lo- that's a lovely ending we're just dean was telling me some very depressing stories by a spanish author so I'm li- i'd like to hear that real life is also uh ends well so yeah. lovely. <laughs> i mean does. this well 
Ellen, your story ended well, but there's there's some some bumps along the way. If we uh, if we take it from the book, oh yeah. <laughs> you talk about it. It's a, it's some stuff about your life. Obviously, there's a, there's a part of it where you do list a lot of different um, guys, but it's not just that, you know. But which okay. which is your own biggest takeaway from it? You know, of the different guys, and we have Virgil, we have all these different guys. Which is the one that you think is the most not the best or the worst, but the most powerful to 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 read in the book? Hmm. Um, probably the one I remember best and fondest, and unfortunately, he passed away about three years ago. Was oh. Steve Young? Mm-hmm. The one who wrote a Seven Bridges Road about yeah. where we used to go park. We kept in touch over the years, and he never forgave me for leaving and going to Canada. Oh, I was the one that went on down that highway first. <laughs> so, because it's interesting, in the end, we hear about a lot of guys from Alabama. You move off to Canada, so it's kind of like, okay, doors closed. But no, because you just revealed that in the end, one of them lured you back. So I guess it was always possible, you know? <laughs> he and I knew each other in junior high and high school. Wow. So we've known each other since we were 13. Also, wow. so He liked younger girls. I liked older boys. We never went out together until, boom, we connected on a friend's Facebook after wow. all those years. Wow. So I like the fact that that's what the book is about. So it kind of ends there. And I like that. Okay. Tell me a that's little great. bit about, because PJ, what, what you maybe don't know is we also have this setting of growing up in Alabama and um, you're mm. the daughter of a preacher. We have there's some racism, obviously, within the society at that time, which it seems like you never really got, you know, like, why can't, why have we got separate, you know, um, windows to go and get served at and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so there's a little bit of it that is your battle with society as well as some boys that you met, you know? Yeah, I fought it. I fought that racist thing all my life. And even in Canada, I had, I used to give the woman, I used to be in charge of fundraising for the YWCA of Greater Toronto. And I would work late every night. And the woman in charge of the cleaning staff who owned it, would get a ride with me every night. I'd give her mm-hmm. a ride. And she told me that she had, she was black from the West Indies and she had encountered racism because of her skin color, even in beautiful, wonderful, sweet Canada. Wow. So I don't know why that that's, is. That's interesting because we don't get that image of Canada at all. Yeah. Right? No, and I was shocked when she told me because I had never encountered that but of course look at me and I didn't t- have to worry about that tell me a little bit about how it felt because there's a little theme in the book as well growing up the daughter of a preacher you know you kind of have this goody two-shoes idea like you know miss prissy you little miss prissy you call yourself at one point like that's how, how people maybe perceived you you're not going to want to get in on the fun kind of thing but you did you were quite wild you did want to get in on the fun <laughs> I spent my time trying to get rid of that image but the irony is when I got to Canada I worked for four years I had this wonderful job working for Norman Jewison the film director mm-hmm. and helping him get his film school started everybody in that school thought I was a square and they you you could tell I'd walk into a room and everybody would suddenly lower their voices. Oh, <laughs> oh really? 
And you have to tell them, no, I was the one that ran ran on the street naked when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, th- I would tell you a good story about that, but I don't know if I can say the word on. Oh, can you podcast. can you self-censor? Can you <laughs> don't swear? Yeah, okay. But... <laughs> um, what it was is I, for one of the students who especially thought I was a square, I made a... For Christmas, we all drew each other's names. I drew his name. I made him a gift certificate, gift certificate that said to Jim Gerard. That was his name. One, and then I had a big lip print. Oh. Um, and across <laughs> the top, it said, fa la 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 Oh, goodness. Sorry, I don't- Singing a song. Wow, just a song. And so when I did that, everybody went, "Whoa!" Yeah, I I didn't think I was British, but maybe I'm a maybe I'm a British little British boy because there was some bits in this where I thought, "Oh, like you talk about uh, parking, you know, and going with the with the boys in the cars and kissing and things," and and I thought, "Oh, but they're but they're young, like they're they're teenagers." Oh goodness! No, no, that was that was in college. Right, that was a little bit older. Early twenties. Okay, that's not so bad. I like the fact that you're, uh, you know, showing a, a, what some people would say a vulnerable part of your life, but it isn't. It's just natural, isn't it? So you're just showing yourself who you are. So I found that yeah. very brave and necessary. We need That's more books. Who like. I really was. Um, my sisters were not like me. They were proper mm. and wonderful and good, ch- good church people. Mm. Uh, I was too. I ended up being a church organist as a career part of it. Yeah. And then flipped that over and started raising money. And some and you like wow. you liked bad boys. Like some of the boys were Virgil's the one that I always remember. I know he's one of the earlier ones in the book, but he turned out very bad. And there's the story about um, you guys yeah. being quite young and doing a kind of let's have a look at each other and see what we're what we're what the, what the differences are, you know. People but then used to call it playing doctor. Playing doctor, yeah. <laughs> But then, of course, he sounds like he grew up to be rather an, an unpleasant uh, chap yeah. altogether. So that's, eh, yeah. you know, you never I, you never know I, when you're I young how people are going to turn out, you know. Yeah. He was the one that we went out, we found that bag of money in my dad's. I told him about it. Yes. He, he wanted to go to the store with it. We went out and started giving it out. To giving the all the money out to the, to the neighbors. So one of the mother's. <laughs> Call my mother, and she came running along and collected it all. It was like the church collection money, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> my my favorite bit, it. just on the on the church collection theme, my favorite line from the whole book is the bit where you've got coins in your pocket, and your mom says, "Where'd you get these coins?" He's like, "Well, I went to the church, and they passed around a plate with some money, so I took some." Like, of course, you know, they were just passing it out to everyone, you know. <laughs> you know what is really weird is I don't know if I heard it told so many times, but I remember it. I remember. I came back with the extra money and my mom questioned it. I said, like, well, I took, you know, they were giving it out. <laughs> How much of this is your own, obviously it's all your own memory, but I mean, are some of those early bits stuff that your mom or your family told to you and reminded you of? The one where we, our, our car stopped on the railroad track. Yeah. I don't remember that one, but I heard about it. That's just family story. <laughs> It became or it kind of became a memory and both like oh, as a yeah. story. That's nice. Okay. And one well, that I was, that one that was sad it. for me, this little moment that I thought was powerful. You mentioned um 
one relationship with um i think it was um you had been writing letters you you, you call him cuckolded by mail you know you had been writing writing uh, letters um to someone else and you seemed to be kind of uh, very jealous or whatever but um there's a sad kind of moment where when you finally get the divorce he keeps the letters that that you know you'd written to someone else and he says well they were beautifully written and you never wrote anything Ooh. that beautiful to me so i just kept them anyway that one almost made me cry. That was very sad. And I, I didn't want to take a side or something. Mm. I felt sad for, for everyone in that, you know? <laughs> I know. He'll he'll be in the next book. Okay, so I'm there'll be more. Northern, I'm already writing Northern Men, you know, about the Northern guys. Mm. Okay, so that, that was going to be my next question. Are we, are yeah. we going to expect the sequel? Good. <laughs> That's great. And the, the one that I've kept in touch with, too, you would love because... Are you folks in Britain? We're both in. Uh, well, I, PJ at the moment is actually in Germany, um, but I'm oh, in, I'm in exactly. UK. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the one of the guys that wrote a blurb of an endorsement, mm-hmm. the one named Robert Griffiths. Yeah. He was from Ripon. Um, he was born in Stoke on Trent, hmm. and I met him in college. And he and I still stay in touch. Good. Wow. So you're good at keeping in touch with people when yeah. you when when they're worth keeping in touch with, I guess. You well, know? he and I lost touch for many years, and then right. when my mother died, and I was going through her little address book, telling people she had died, I discovered his name. She had kept my mom kept in touch with him all those wow. years. Wow, that's unusual for your mom to keep in touch with him. Wow. She just loved him so much. <laughs> she found him fascinating and interesting. Well, read read his endorsement, and you'll you'll see what I'm well, talking. Well, I about. I love the book, and I hope that we get that next one um, sooner rather than later. Do you want to plug it? Do, where where can they find it? Do you, you want to plug your website oh, yes. or social um, media? Amazon. You can go go to my website, ellennichols.com. You can order the book from four different ways places. Cool. I'll put a link anyway. I'll put a link in the yeah. show notes, and then they can I, get that. The, the English guy now lives in France. He taught it in Grenoble for many years. Nice. And he ordered it from the um from Amazon, maybe yeah, online. Yeah. What was the name? Amazon was called. Well, just go and look at all all the four. <laughs> independent well, books something no matter where you are i guess you can you can get your hands on it which is good to know yeah. i'm you gonna ask you one remember my name do you want to ask anything pj before i do the the final question uh yes i just wanted to ask um no i just wanted to say and encourage you that i think women need this more um well i'm just talking because about women because you are a woman and i think that um, modern women still are confused about these things so it's we, we like to think we live in a modernized world but sometimes i just encounter people women admin who are still very naive and maybe feel that they are strange so talking about uh, sexual topics for example or just or divorce or any kind of things that are slightly even taboo is very necessary mm. so i think it's writing about this and that you're writing a sequel because you're definitely helping people out there so i think it's great that you're yeah and you're very very open in the book which i think is good you know i like that yeah um can i tell you about one other quick thing yeah go ahead look in the acknowledgements in the blurbs the one written by ann tyler harshbarger who uh, is a retired ballerina 
read what she said. It fits exactly what you just said. She says to women, and I have to be very honest, she's my niece. Oh, wow. Okay, I see it here. Voice message about it. And I wrote Mm -hmm. it down and asked her if I could use it. Nice. Nice. Yeah, she says that you're courageous and and brave, and she's in awe of of the inspiration of it. I see it here. Perfect. Yeah, and go to her website if you like yoga. She can do it long distance. (laughs) Nice. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, advertised her as well. That's fantastic. I love a bit of yoga. And and I love that I love that you help one person and you've definitely helped more who you don't you, you haven't received a voicemail, but you definitely have. So so I encourage you and other writers to just talk about their experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact that that would be my advice to people. Be mm. honest. Be honest. Say what you really, really feel. Uh, well, that's sure. great. Thanks. So I always end every interview with the last question which is if there's one book that you wish you had been the person to write what would it be Hmm. probably jude the obscure oh i love thomas hardy i love thomas hardy so much i really really love his writing Actually, I've, got, I, I've not read a lot, but I've got a couple on my bookshelf. I just haven't got to them yet because I've always got a massive queue of books. But Tom Hardy's in the queue. <laughs> okay, good, good. Because I, I always loved his writing. That's well, great. And he talks about women as well, struggling and very realistic. So I kind of see that theme there. Right? Far Thanks. from the madding crowd was a classic of that very subject. Yes, indeed, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for calling into the show. It's been a pleasure having you. And thank you. I really enjoyed the book. So I'll keep an eye out for the sequel when and when we get it. (laughs) Okay. The question is, do you want some of the socks? I sent ladies the socks, but I didn't send guys the socks. Whoa, what? We'll take socks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? That's very funny because I I always need socks. I always lose socks. So please do. Yeah. Look on the cover. I had someone make a hundred of those socks i will send you guys you have to send me your mailing address i'll send the address we'll get some socks thank you very much (laughs) i'll make a i'll make a photo please send me some too i I desperately need some i really appreciate them okay awesome ellen thank you so much have a good day thanks that was great bye-bye enjoyed talking to you thank you yeah that was lovely have a nice (laughs) bye 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 Wow, there we go. Ellen Nichols calling in to chat about Remember Whose Little Girl You Are. Guys, uh, check it out if you like, uh, feel like a memoir. I love honest, I love honest memoirs. I, I think they're fascinating. Love to hear from people's lives. So that was very inspiring. Thanks for joining. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I just want to mention, actually, uh, I'm going tomorrow night to see Rachel Sage in Dublin, and we've played one of, of Rachel's songs on the show before, and I've been a fan of hers for almost 15 years, um, so almost half of my life. And she's from the States, and she's coming, uh, she's in England at the moment, she's doing one show in Ireland, and I'm very excited to to get to see her. I've been waiting a long time, and I've told her that I'm coming. <laughs> That's lovely, okay. I've been busy this yeah. month, actually. I've been doing some paddle boarding, I've been, I've been going to some Spanish classes in a, in a pub, I've been uh, watching some Mexican dance and there's a big Mela festival in Belfast and I'm going to try to join the Mexican dance group soon, hopefully. Because PJ, as you know, I just didn't have enough hobbies, man. You know, I just didn't have enough. Well, you're living the, 
you're living the Christina sea life. Uh, you're, you're living... Oh, the Alexandra sea life, yeah. <laughs> Alexandra, sorry, excuse me. Alexandra sea life, yes. You're living La Vida Loca there. <laughs> living La Vida Lorca. Oh, living La Vida Lorca, yes. <laughs> literary, literary time. So, guys, yeah. I, <laughs> I read two more books, and I'll tell you why. Um, first, I read part one of Don Quixote de la Mancha. Okay? Mm. Miguel de Cervantes. Um, so for anyone that Which doesn't, in our, we reviewed in our second episode, I think. Well, yeah, episode two. You also oh, read part, uh, part one. Mm. And for anyone that doesn't know or doesn't remember, the reason you know normally I try to finish a book, right? But this is very long and very slow. And the reason I felt comfortable just doing one part is because they were released separately, um, ten years apart, actually, sixteen oh five and sixteen one five. So yeah. look. If Cervantes can release them 10 years apart, I can review them one month apart. You know, that's what I'm telling myself. Why not? I have to <laughs> confess, Dean. I mean, we, we did an episode. I did, I never finished Don Quixote. And um, you, well, I guess I just want to be honest here. I really did like it, though. But mm. I found it just a bit too long for me and i just got distracted and started reading the next thing yeah so i have to give it a try so let's see how you find part two and if you re-recommend it i might try part maybe two again. yeah but it's another one of these slow plotting ones you know altogether both parts are 450 pages but again they're quite full pages you know and it's also in slightly older spanish you know so it's not quite as bad as maybe reading Shakespeare in English, which is like very different, but it is still a little bit um, older, a little bit different. So there's there's that to get used to as well. Plus his friends, um, Sancho sometimes gets things wrong and then he's correcting his Spanish in old Spanish. So it's a little bit difficult for me to, to get around sometimes, but I did my best with it. Um, I read part one. Secret. I've actually read about a third of part two already, and I'm I'm actually preferring part two. So listen to that next time. Right. Um, but part one is is a bit more farcical than than part two, I suppose. Um, and it, originally yeah. it was split into four parts itself because it was well, there wasn't meant to I be part think, two. I do think it's funny though. I do. I, I find it amusing, and I would like to get back to it. Uh, it is, by the way, I think considered. Um, I think Salman Rushdie said it's his favorite novel. Okay. So that's another thing, an author I like. I thought it was very funny. I just, um, after a while, it is a bit difficult to read that old, old Spanish. It's very long as well. A little fun yeah. fact, by the way, Lope de, de Verga, the playwright, at the same time, was considered a big playwright in, in Spanish Renaissance sure. Baroque period, was insanely jealous of Miguel Cervantes and made fun about him only having uh, one arm, I think it is. Right. Or is it one leg? and that's not fair I've been watching Ministerio del Tiempo a Spanish TV show uh, where they go back in time and there's an episode about that and they both appear in it and they're they're kind of rivals yeah yeah Uh, now like but I think I think Don Quixote to be honest my impression is that um, all right it was a bit difficult to read didn't finish it but I did think it really original I thought it's a picaresque novel right Um, but it's really original I mean you can tell more about the plot Hmm. it's like I thought it's just a very interesting idea that's about a man who reads a lot. Who reads yeah, and you're much. right. You're right to say it's funny because it is funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but anyway, it reads too much. Um, if you want to go ahead with yeah, the plot. So, I mean, I suppose this is why it's both 
transcendingly original, but also not. Because all of the Picaresque novels now were influenced directly by Don Quixote, which I think is still the best-selling book in history. Um, so you've got the likes of the Three Musketeers, even, to an extent. Um, the Pickwick Papers, Dickens, you know, all these Picaresque novels directly draw from the, from Don Quixote. And so it's in massively and the, and influential. The, and Flaubert's uh, Madame Bovary about, uh, you know, she basically likes to read a lot. And in this this metaphor, because I think yes. it's very uh, enchanting, I suppose, and tempting for writers, this concept of, yeah, every writer can understand the concept. Yeah, I've read a lot. I would like to live out this novel. And then they write their own version, like Pickwick Papers. Tom Jones, for example, is quite progressed by Henry yeah. Fielding. And all but even Salman Rushdie, um, uh, wrote um, a book, I think it's called Kishalta. So, directly Rushdie was attacked to... recently. Did you hear that in the news? Rush, Rushdie was yeah, attacked. Yeah, for, for literally students. Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. I'm glad. I'm glad he survived. Yeah, um, keep, but, keep on the but, news, but, uh, guys. But I mean, like being attacked for your work. I mean, it's crazy. You know, how, you know, mm. it's, it's books in the end. You know. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, I love, I love books. But, but now, don't get. There's also a sense in which it's not original because it was essentially, you know, he reads, so Don Quixote reads all these other books and I suppose ah, yeah. he he sees all these kind of knights of old and he wants to be like one. So in that sense, this is drawing from that influence and is almost a pastiche of that kind of work, a caricature of that kind Indeed. of work. So it, it, it's really, ironically, it's kind of really kind of postmodern, even though talk about that like for the later 20th century, but it is, it's taking the, taking the literature uh, from the time a bit earlier and then making, as you say, a prestige and referring to that. And I do believe there, most of them are actual novels. So if you're a scholar, you do read the original novels mm. that are constant and then, but you're making, a, they're making a farce of it. And I find that very unusual for early 17th century yeah. literature to do that. Yeah. And there's a so part where they even cool. reference Miguel de Cervantes in the novel at the beginning, and then yeah, they so find these, these books and things. So it's it's self-referential as well, which is very groundbreaking stuff, you know, for for 1605. That's why they often say it's the first modern novel, but some might even say it's the first postmodern novel. So it's a bit crazy having all that uh, at once. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah, but look, I have some problems with part one. Um, which I'll get to, I'll get to in a moment. But look, so basic basic plot summary. You know, is a Don Quixote. Uh, he's reading all these books. He come, becomes so obsessed with them to the point where his friends have to burn down his library at one point. Uh, guys, if you're listening, we're not that bad. Please do not burn down my books. But um, exactly. he and the, the the Grand Library where we record from, uh, famously in our intro, is well protected, so you you will not get into burn. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he decides he's going to... And he's a very low-ranking, you know, knight. Um, Hidalgo, I think it is. And basically, he decides he wants to become these grand knights of old. So he recruits this farmer, Sancho Panza. And they just go around, and he wants to, like, rescue a princess and do all this kind of, like, fancy stuff. And they go to this tavern, which he calls a castle, you know. And, and all his... Most of the stories, he's the joke of it or the butt of it, or he gets beaten up or pants, like, you know, gets beaten up or something. But it's a lot of him going around in this picaresque adventure from one thing to another to another, um, making a bit of a fool of himself. And he tries to help someone, but maybe makes the situation worse, actually, you know. 
And I remember, it, I like that you're mentioning Don Quixote. It's nice that we're start, nice that we're starting to um, talk about books that each other read. So we'll probably have more of this in the upcoming episode. Mm. So if you want to go back to episode two, guys, to refer what I thought, but I basically think it's also a bit of a metaphor for either mental illness, so they schizophrenic, but because constantly he's imagining things, you know, and and turning it into something adventurous, turning it into Hollywood, basically. Yeah. Or it's uh, it's it's on the positive spectrum. It's telling us to dream big. So make the boring life he has. He has a boring life, making it exciting. And what's wrong with it? Nothing yeah. really. And this has been done so many times in Hollywood. Like the what, that film um, with Ben Affleck. Um, so Ben Affleck, what the secret life of the curious life of Walter Mitty, for example, where a man who has a boring life essentially just imagines having a fantastic mm. life. And that was also an old Hollywood movie. It's been recycled so many times, this idea. And the troupe, uh, this this particular group of characters, um, one person who kind of is very imaginative and the other person is very naive, Sancho Panza, just goes along with a person kind of honoring him, usually shorter of stature. This has been done so many times in comedy and Shakespeare and Hollywood and in Seinfeld. We just mentioned Seinfeld. We don't like it. It's done there with Jerry Seinfeld and George mm-hmm. Costanza. Basically, it's a Quixote and Sancho. But I wondered if Sancho was completely forthright. You know, he is kind of honouring Don Quixote, um, and sometimes he'll get corrected by Don Quixote and everything. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I thought there's a little undertone of him kind of knowing that this is a bit silly. You know. And there's maybe one or two times where he does speak against him and he's kind of like, you know, you sure about this? Like, you know, because Don Quixote, he wants to be, the, 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 he essentially wants to be the three musketeers, you know. He just goes in and does whatever he wants and rescues people and goes into an inn and then leaves without paying because that's what the knight, knight errants of old would do. And then Pans is left there I, to, like, pick up the, the mess, you know. <laughs> and it being one of your favorite novels, Three Musketeers, this is a really important reference point. This is re- this really influenced Alexandra Dumas yeah. there. Right, uh, his his picaresque novels. He did. So. Um, and don't get me wrong. Look, I still prefer Dumas. You know, I think he he's divine perfection. Um, but but this is a fun book, and if anyone can, you know, I don't. This isn't meant in a bad way, but anyone who can be bothered to tackle it because it is a, a big undertaking. Um, yeah. I think it's worth reading, and I, I think it's fun. But I have some problems with part one, um, which haven't recurred yet in part two which is that there's less adventure than I would like, actually. So some of the adventures, instead of him going like Pickwick to a new town or doing a new thing, some of them yeah, are just yeah. people telling him stories. You know, yeah, there's a, lot of, yeah. there's a lot of just listening to stories. And I find that a bit jarring and a little bit, it's difficult for me to care because it's that Anna Karenina method again. It's like, we're just going to insert 50 pages of someone else telling a story and then we'll get back to the real story. And they said, well, what's the point? Why do I care about this? You know? I don't mind that so much. I thought it was him basically kind of doing his own odyssey and just uh, listening to people's stories and then somehow influencing him in a spiritual mm. way. I thought it was kind of, there's there a very parallels. You know, he meets Cardinio, who's going a bit crazy and is obsessed with this one girl. Yeah, so yeah. there's those parallels, you know, and we listen to Cardinio's story. Um, Indeed. Or, or, or damsels in distress, or basically damsels that are un- unapproachable, and he has that. I mean, he's basically, sir, he's basically being a knight because his damsel um, needs him. But, like, really, the woman he talks about doesn't care about Don Quixote. And it's, 
Dursada, Dursada, but yeah, she doesn't care about him at all, or she's he's glorified her as this kind of princess that he's going out and doing all these quests for her, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. And but so it's kind of great. From this book, we obviously get the word quixotic, you know, that's a word that we even use in English. And I've often been described as quixotic. So I like this, though. I'm reading this and I'm thinking like Don Quixote, like what a good lad. Like, I want to be this guy, this romantic dreamer, this visionary, seeing the world in a better way. And just, and you could say, I know that there's the the other way to look at it, like maybe mentally ill or what. But I was like, no, no, he's just having fun and he's trying to project a better world onto the boring world he's in and i think that's the take that i got from it you know well i i well i haven't even finished the novel so um, i'd like to get back to it and just finish uh part one or two but um i can already see that it's a masterpiece in the sense of it's really sort of there's a very fine line between like him being romantic and this being great and like you can make dreams come true literally even if it's not real and you can just imagine be playful be a child there's this nietzschean elements to it or there is this element of is this a, is this a critique maybe mm-hmm. of like being too much of a dreamer you know like I, of... I also prefer the first one but I think it's I think it's good to kind of look at it both ways and seeing yeah. what what are the pros and cons. I, I I empathize with him because you know I wrote a song once where where Valerie the Pigeon Detective says what do you want to do when you grow up and then I sing I want to live in a Renoir painting because I want to I want to project myself into this beautiful romantic unrealistic world so when I read this book I feel like some empathy with Don Quixote you know and the fact that he doesn't yeah. really care about the consequences of his actions either but some of the other stuff's boring so one of the other stories is about Lothario and again we we still have that epithet today you know we refer to someone as Lothario and that's a little side story about a guy again Alex and I always say this in Shakespeare, please stop testing your partners. <laughs> but this guy wants to test his partner and he doesn't trust her. So he gets his friend to seduce her and the friend's really reluctant. But lo and behold, a friend ends up falling in love with her. Shock horror. What other way could it possibly have gone? You know, um, yeah, you're asking for trouble if you tell your friend to go and seduce your wife. You know, <laughs> I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> I'm telling you. And that's what Miguel Cervantes might be saying as well. Adolf, and remember, everyone, that Miguel Cervantes, I think, is really more of a short story writer, which is very ironic because it's an extremely long novel. But it's a novel so, of, of uh, short stories. Like, that's the picaresque, yeah. isn't it? But remember that he really um, he really started with novelas ejemplares. Remember, these meaning novelas in old Spanish just means the English word novella being a short novel yeah. or a very long story. So really, he was writing between 15 and 90 and 16, 12, 13. He's just been writing a lot of longer short stories. And I think Don Quixote is in some sense, yeah, it's maybe a collection of more short stories, but with the underlying theme that this person is traveling and experiencing more stories. A story lover is on an odyssey to to collect more stories and even to co-create or yeah. engage in. And I do want to read those. Okay. Actually, Mireya from some of our Patreon shows has recommended uh, the Novelas Ejemplares. I think she, she might even have a copy for me. But um, okay. I have, I will say that I enjoyed this, but I just thought it, at times it's too long. Why are we getting these extra stories added in? Sometimes there's just poems, you know, and they'll just say, oh, someone hmm. told me a good poem. Here, I'll quote it to you in full length for three pages. And I'm why? But, <laughs> but again, I find it interesting because it kind of foreshadows Grim Brothers and certain folklorists who collect things. I think for me, Don Quixote is someone who's collecting, again, stories, songs, 
poems. Mm. Might be dry sometimes, but um, I find it interesting. In some sense, he's Miguel Cervantes himself, who I think worked more as a sailor, and that's how he lost right. um, uh, his, ar- his arm, yes. And so in a sense, it's kind of about him as well, and maybe him not wanting to be... He, maybe Miguel Cervantes wanted to be Quixotesque and mm-hmm. not realistic. He just wanted to collect these yeah. uh, stories. Here's the difference between this and your other picaresque works, right? You've got Don Quixote, you've got uh, Sancho Panza, and their long-suffering steed, Rocinante. Um, you've also got a barber and a priest that go around with them. But it's not as if they get the gang together, like the Musketeers or like Pickwick. These other ones are kind of worried about Don Quixote and they're like, oh, this guy's going to be crazy and we need to find a way to like get him back home and, and stop these uh, adventures, you know? But this is what I find interesting. This makes it probably more of a realist novel than anything else. It, it, this makes it more realist and romantic. Mm-hmm. So I find it interesting as well. It yeah. seems superficially a romantic novel. Actually, it's a hyper-realist novel. It's almost like, oh, don't, don't do that. Come on, don't make him depict like a mental mentally disturbed person I mean, this is what this is what society in spain at least at that time would have done so it's yeah it's quite interesting it's a good one and, and i am i'm preferring part two because it's just less random asides and things like that so we'll talk about that next month i've only read about a third of it but um i'm feeling happy and i'm getting more used to the older spanish and stuff as well but I could have probably finished. I, I looked at my schedule for the month and I just didn't think I was going to finish all of part two before the end of the month. So rather than reading like half well, of the quarters, I read something else instead, you know? Well, I gave myself 10 years between the two. So like, if you haven't read it next month, <laughs> and then please read it in the next 10 years. And yeah, yeah, too, by, right? by episode 3000, I'm there. So I, I just yeah. thought, you know, why don't I read a little guilty pleasure? And in the end, the book I chose turned out to not really be a guilty pleasure. It turned out to be quite a good book. It's called Body Double, and it's by uh, Tess Gerritsen. It's a Rizzoli and Isles thriller. Look, I'm only going to spend five minutes on this. It doesn't require a lot of discussion. But if you like your crime books, which, you know, we do. We're both like the Christie fans and things like that as well. It's a fun crime book. Um, The reason it's called Body Double is because someone who works with the the kind of the the forensic team with the police, the pathologist or whatever, medical examiner, um, someone gets killed in a car outside her house who looks exactly like her and everyone thinks it's her and they think that she's dead and it turns out that it's not her. It's a, essentially her twin and she didn't know that she had a twin. So they do this investigation like what on earth's going on and then it's body double because they find out she had a twin and then she's actually adopted so then they find out all this other stuff about, about her. Meanwhile, there is still a killer on the loose. They have to track down the killer, you know, who did this murder then there's little yeah. scenes set in the past. So one of the, actually the opening prologue features this girl getting tricked by a boy in her class to basically going into a pit where he wants to bury her alive. And he shows her like a cat skull from a cat that he'd previously done it to. And this is the start of the whole thing. And the more it unravels, we have like a, a, basically a family who spent their whole history killing people and selling babies, essentially. Like, and it's all this stuff and it, it gets crazy. And then obviously Rizzoli is the cop who's trying to track it all down. But even though she's friends with Mora, they're not really a team. She's a cop. The other one's a forensic analyst. They don't share everything right away with each other. They're not like buddy-buddy. You know, they just are both doing different parts of the job. Um, But this is why I really got interested in it. Page one. Charles Dickens often chooses names that match his character's traits. And I thought, okay, let's go. (laughs) 
So that no, really got me. And then they go on and they talk about really? Nicholas Nickleby and everything, you know. So I love I love that. And that is a big Dickensian thing. Um nice. this one's 450 pages, but I read it in two days. They're short pages. This is not Donkey Hotty, this is not Lava Henta. This is a, a little page turner um, mass market paperback, you know. Um oh, cool. but there's some really good stuff. There's twists you don't see coming. There's this other cop, Roland, who knew a lot about a previous case that we think ties in, but then we think was he really the good guy or was he not? And I'm not going to spoil it either way, but I wasn't sure because he's like too helpful and he's really helping this one girl going beyond the bounds of what a policeman would do and someone stalking her. And I started to wonder, was he the one stalking her? And not necessarily, but there's just a lot of little seeds planted and a lot of little possible twists and you don't know which twists are really going to happen and which ones you're just speculating on yourself, you know? And there's like a one husband of one girl that goes missing and he doesn't really care about her and he's mean to her and all this kind of stuff in front of people he owns a car lot but then of course mm-hmm. once she's okay then he goes on tv and talk you know he wants to essentially use it as an advert for his car agency and all this kind of stuff and there's like a crooked mm-hmm. lawyer who's helping them sign off the, the 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 adoption paperwork for the babies and stuff and they they find all this throughout the book and i'm not really i've probably said a little bit too much already so i don't really want to say too much more or really anymore mm-hmm. um but for anyone that likes one of those just uh, it's not a guilty pleasure because they tend to be worse written and more kind of silly romantic things. This was just good. Like this was a good page turner crime book. And I, I really enjoyed it. And it gave me a little break in between the two parts of Don Quixote. And it actually reinvigorated me to go back and, and start part two. So. Oh, nice. Cool. Well, um, to finish off um, talking about the books that we recommend this summer. I um, I really recommend one. Can I go first? Go ahead. So I'm really inspired um, by Ellen Nichols and just what she said there about Thomas Hardy. So I thought, well, why won't... Uh, I just thought spontaneously now, uh, I want to recommend Tess of the Durbervilles, A Pure Woman Faithfully Presented. That's a long title of Tess of the Durbervilles. Okay. Uh, by Thomas Hardy, written between 1891 and 1892. Now, that's very interesting because the story is about a 16-year-old girl who basically, um, yeah, she gets raped. That's the beginning of the story, and that made it very controversial for Victorian England. Mm, yeah. Uh, but it is called A Pure Woman Faithfully Presented because the whole point of the novel is that she is, of course, still a pure woman. But this went against uh, Victorian norms. They're just going to accept it at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is for two reasons I recommend it. It's really feminist, I think, personally, and it got me into feminism. And the the and if it's dry, if it might be a bit dry, sometimes the first and second part, the third part is insanely wild and really um, quite modern, I find. And also, this is the book that got me into what you can maybe call serious literature or just classic literature. This is the book that started it all. Um, before that, I was still reading, I would say, children's books, but then I just wanted to try a classic literature book. And I read Tess of the Durbervilles, and then I went on to Oscar Wilde and to Marx and Dickens. And well, it, it, le- it led me basically to Books Boys. So this is an essential book for me and really wow. moved me a lot. So Tess of the Durbervilles by Thomas Hardy. My dad, by the way, also loves this book. And Yes, and Ellen just recommended uh, Jude Obscure by Thomas Hardy. So, Thomas Hardy. Okay. Um, 
I'm running out of recommendations. Um, so I think at the end of our second season, after I've got a Halloween one that I've been waiting on, I'll try and come up with something for next month. And then I'm going to, maybe I'm going to stop doing recommendations. But uh, last month I did some children's books. This month I've got an interesting one. Um, you, I believe, were with me when I purchased this. Um, it's a little book about Audrey Hepburn. I remember. It was you a see? very amusing <laughs> It says, but... Ikoni Kina. Now I just googled Ikoni Kina, and all I could find was this book, and then lots of stuff that I couldn't understand in in uh, you know Polish or because we bought this in Poland, right? Um, you crack of now, hold on, is the book in Polish? That's no, what? the book is in English. Okay, okay. And like, no, it's difficult to call this a book because it's essentially a picture book of Audrey Hepburn with like a little paragraph here and there explaining some of the pictures and little little um, maybe maybe sometimes there's a page of information which I'm just looking at is, is actually in Polish, <laughs> but <laughs> um, there's some, some pages in Polish, um, but the captions. I, the... I don't think you, you haven't realized that. You just enjoy <laughs> what, uh, seeing different pictures. Just, but the captions under the uh, pictures, which some of them are, are a line and some of them are half page, you know, they're in English. So you, you do get to learn a little bit about her and about her movies. She's very pretty. Yeah, if you didn't know that guys, <laughs> hot take. <laughs> You're not really recommending a book here. You're just recommending Audrey Hepburn. Well, yeah, what I'm really recommending is that Audrey Hepburn's the greatest (laughs) human being who ever lived apart from Socrates. (laughs) So get on a t-shirt. That's a couple couple that could meet in heaven. eh? Socrates and Audrey (laughs) Audrey Hepburn. So go watch her movies. But if you want to get this little book of pictures of hers, uh, if you're, I don't know, if you're ever in Poland and you find a picture book of Audrey Hepburn, buy it. That's essentially what I'm saying. The most amusing, very amusing recommendation for you this month. All right. And I think that's us. I think that's all we got. Um, so, guys, don't forget about our Patreon. Hit us up on Instagram. Booksboys.com is the website. Booksboys at hotmail.com if you want to talk to us. Be our friend and, and like us and like all the books. And uh, that's great. Tell your friends about the show. That's the best way to spread the word. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And we're going to end this month with. Our good friend Commander Alphabeta uh, paying us a visit. Oh, I see. It's an old uh, song of PJs from a few years ago. Of an old and... classic, cold classic. Yeah. yeah, we'll be back next month. But for those of you on Patreon, we'll be back hopefully before then because we're gonna once now that the summer's winding down, we'll try and get a bit more of a regular schedule. Playboy Alex is coming back. There's going to be some more Dark Place Dreamers with Robert, so we'll have some. We'll have some stuff on there as well. And in other words, the 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 pot is starting to sizzle, so it's gonna it's gonna be boiling soon. So get out, get on in the get in the game. That's get it. Another cool kids get it first, yeah. Guys, when people are stressing you out, just tell them keep calm and read your Dickens. And uh, if the DJ would <laughs> spin that record, Commander Alphabeta, we'll be back in about a month. See ya. Commander Alphabeta was going through his troops one day. Most satisfied was he with his troops A to K. Came he to Troop L, he knew not what to think. Shouted, keep all words with L, come forward and present yourself to me. Came forward first. Tom and Wiss, clean shaven, get the
Treated and entered the man. My name is, he said, Luck. Oh, oh, I'm not gonna stand here and think your ass with your words. 
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, the Society for Addict Dialogue to Books. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either pod safe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth Fan the Boys shows and you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! You know, your man, uh, Durham, with the rabbit. Um, so, what, what's my point? Why did I mention a book? Uh, Wait. Don't tell anybody you saw me with my glasses on, okay? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.